0: Well, good morning, Springbrook. So good to have you here today, worshiping with us. What a great way to kick off the week every week. We're going to be studying, we'll continue to study the book of Ruth. And we're going to study today about a marriage proposal, which is really quite unusual. If you've heard of any good marriage proposals uh, on the internet this week, and it's kind of a cute one, you know. (laughs) The girlfriend is drinking a cup of coffee, and then all of a sudden, marry me. Wow. That's a great. Hey listen, if you have guys who are going to propose, and they're just not really creative, give them some help. Okay? (laughs) Whether it be your son or whoever, some guys just need some help. Uh, Another one here is if you're playing Scrabble, and you put this chip down. Oh, yeah. And and if you're an underwater enthusiast, you might put this down. Oh, my. (laughs) Uh, Then the last one I like the most is... uh, the photo booth. <laughs> Four different <laughs> reactions. <laughs> yeah. Proposals are fun. And we're going to be talking today about a, again, a strange proposal. We're studying the book of Ruth. So to catch, yep, if you haven't been here, uh, Ruth is found in the book of the Old Testament during the period of the judges. And Naomi, and Elimelech were married, and they had two sons. And there was a famine in Jerusalem, where, excuse me, Bethlehem, where they lived. So they traveled all the way to Moab, where they could get some to eat. And their two sons married two Moabite women. A tragedy came on the family. Elimelech died, her husband. Uh, the two. Sons of Naomi died, and she was just left with two sister in law, or two uh, daughter in laws. And so she said, Go back. Go back to Moab, your home where you can find a husband. Don't come with me. There's no hope with me. But Ruth would become a God fear. Ruth, who is such a woman, a strong character, said, No, Naomi. I am going to go where you go, and I'm going to stay with you for the rest of my life. She had a great love for Naomi. So they get to Bethlehem, which means house of bread, and as we've talked about back in that day, kind of the uh, security net for people who are poor is that a Farmer would leave an outside of his main crop. He would leave, you know, an outer edge where poor people could come to glean, right? To pick up the stalks and things of that nature. And it was hard work. (laughs) It was hard work. But when Naomi and Ruth came to Bethlehem, Ruth said right away, you shouldn't be out gleaning. I'm going to go gleaning. And she just happened to come into the field of Boaz, who just happened to be one of the kinsmen redeemers, which we'll talk about here in a second. And so what we see here is divine providence over this whole story. In fact, on the back of your message notes, what you'll see there. Is the application of this story. What, what Ruth does is it foreshadows, okay? It's an analogy between Christ, the groom, and his bride, the church. So if you listen carefully and look at the back and see what type of things are going on. And I'll we'll talk a little bit about that at the end. So, Let's start Ruth three, then Naomi, her mother in law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? What's she talking about? Shouldn't I find a husband for you? That will bring you rest, right? Husband bring rest (laughs) sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, I want to find somebody who can provide for you. Now, it's interesting, as we look at the second chapter, it said that Ruth was working until the end of the wheat and barley harvest. So she could have been working four weeks, I don't know, two months. So she kept going back and she had a great start out with Boaz. He was very attracted, uh, to her. And so, so Naomi knew this, this is, this God has put this together and so I, she started this conversation like you know your mother trying to encourage you to do something you know you really should think about this <laughs> it gives you all the advantages many many times <laughs> as she works on you my daughter should i not seek rescue that it may be well with you is not boaz our relative with whose young woman you were the other people uh who were leaning there And of course, of course, Namie knows. Excuse me. Of course, Ruth knows. Yeah, he's our relative. We've talked about that quite a bit. (laughs) So just keeps repeating, uh, these things. See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Well, yeah, that's what he does every night. I go out there and clean, and then the men, they, they work on the threshing floor. What's the thrashing floor? Well, oh, we'll go back to that. Uh, let me talk about um, another issue, and that's leverite marriage. This was uh, a command in the Old Testament. Leverite means, uh, it's Latin for brother in law. A- and what the rule was, as you see here, if brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son, the wife of his dead Wife of the dead man shall not be married outside her family to a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go into her and take her as his wife and perform the duty of the husband's brother to her. So let's say that Lori and I live back in that day, and I have three brothers, and I die, and so my other three brothers, one of them has to take Lori in according to the Old Testament. Law. So think about that. How would you like your sister-in-law to come and live with you? Huh? Huh? I don't know. It depends on who your sister-in-law is. <laughs> so this is the way it worked. Because you see, women could not provide for themselves. And it was so important, first of all, to keep the family line continuing. Keep that line so continues on, and also to take care of the property. Because uh, when you married that woman, you got her property. So the property stayed in the family. Now, what's interesting is, and here we're talking about Israel uh, 3,000 years ago, and they're talking about how important Israel's property is. It's God's property, and isn't it interesting That a lot of the conflicts that we have going on somehow surround around that theme. Interesting to think about. Ruth, too, is not Boaz, our relative with whose young woman you were. See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. So here we have a threshing floor. Uh, What they did, they didn't have any equipment. So they would harvest uh, the stalks of grain. And you see there. And the uh, two horses, don't look at a laser, okay. There we go. So you have this, and what they would do is they would bring this out to here. And the oxen uh, would walk around, and they would crush the stalk and the barley, and they would break it into small pieces in order that the grain might fall out. Then what they, they would do is they would winnow, which means that they would throw this material up in the air and the stock, which was lighter, would blow away and the grain would be left. So this is, of course, you know, how they lived as farmers. And, and it was always a great time at the harvest, Right? Like here's a more current day illustration. It's like a 3D type thing here. (laughs) He's throwing, he's throwing whatever at the camera. Uh, but that's what they did. They throw it up and they come, uh, with the good stuff coming down. So that was all happening. So now (laughs) Naomi gets even more specific in her plan. Wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Uh, this is really different. <laughs> it wasn't something that was commonly done. I think it was just something that Naomi came up with. And felt she should do this so so really it's interesting because there's an analogy uh, through marriage here uh, that a, a a bride would do all these things, would wash themselves you know it's out there uh, in the east, and it's so dry and hot, and there's so little water, but they could wash herself and anoint herself uh, with some type of oil or perfume, uh, so that she would smell good. <laughs> and put on your cloak. I right? kind, of, kind of hit her identity, the cloak. And go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. How important is this verse, men? How important is this? Let's say you want to watch a, a football game. And your wife says, no, you have to stay here at the table. You whip this verse out and you say, do not make yourself known to me until I finish eating and drinking and the game is over. see? Yeah, not a good (laughs) stuff. It's interesting to think about at least. Uh, Ruth 3, 4, but when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do. Now, this is really strange. I mean, a threshing floor, uh, it was men, typically, in the afternoon, early evening, when the breeze was passing through, that they would do their winnowing. And they were just so happy because they had had a great crop that year. And so they have all kinds of food, and they're drinking, and then they, they, they go to sleep. And they're laying on the barley to protect it. so nobody will steal it. And so what Naomi is saying is, observe the place where he lies. Because you see, she would be going under the cover of darkness and she didn't want to lay down next to the wrong man. <laughs> that makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, there were other women who went to uh the barley floor with other activities in mind. Uh, but that was not the case with Ruth. Now here it says, then go uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. Wow. That's risky, isn't it? And she replied, All that you say I will do. Uh, you mother-in-laws who are trying to influence your, your daughter-in-laws, uh, this would be a great verse to, uh, you, know, you know, do some craft with, something to like put on the wall, and every time she comes, just put it up there. What's this verse for? I don't know, I just like it. <laughs> and Ruth really was, she was stepping out in faith here. This was a very dangerous thing to do. Normal people would not do this. I mean, she's kind of espionage and and she's moving in under the cover of night and she knows where he is and that's a dangerous place. Uh, you got a a lot of young men there uh, that uh, would be interested in her. Uh, So, to do this is really weird. But Naomi feels that after whatever week, month of relationship with Boaz that he really is very interested interested in her. Of course, we saw that uh, last week when he was paying all of his attention uh, to her. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. You can add that verse to the craft as well. Again, it was, it was obedience. She had confidence in Naomi. She had confidence in God that if she did this, if she took a risk, that God would come through. Now, some, some people will say, it happens to all of us, oh, my spiritual life is, I don't know, it's kind of dry. It's kind of boring. Nothing's happening. God's not working. But you know why? Because you've pushed God out of the situation, we're trained as Americans to prepare for everything, to have insurance on everything, to save retirement and college and make sure that you can reduce the risk in your life to the least amount. Again, there's nothing wrong with those things, but I think that sometimes that's our idol, Is we're trying to protect our life. We want to control our life. And God says, no, you need to step out and trust in me. So if you fit that category, well, God's not doing much, just ask yourself, what am I depending on God for? Maybe it's a job issue. Maybe it's a parenting issue. Uh, All kinds of different things. Or maybe you need to, to step out, let's say, and, and get involved in service. Uh, we call that equipping here at Springbrook and our discipleship pathway. You start out wherever, maybe as a uh, host, uh, welcoming people, or maybe in the children's care. And you say, Well, you know, I don't know. That feels uncomfortable because I don't do it. Well, that's when you pray to God, Lord, I really feel uncomfortable about this, but I'm going to try it. Because I have faith in you, or maybe there's something that you have been directed to tell somebody. This happened to me recently. I was sitting down with someone from our church and I'd known him a long time. And uh I had to speak some truth to him that was very uncomfortable. It's not anything mean, really bad, but you know, it was just a pattern, you know, of sin again, and uh and that was, that was uncomfortable for me. I, I mean, I do that because I'm a pastor and I want to exhort people. I want to help correct them and uh, uh, train them in righteousness. But that takes faith. Maybe there's somebody in your life where you just kind of listen to them and they go on and on and on or they're gossiping or whatever the case might be. And, and the Lord spoke to me about this particular individual. Uh, and just pray to the Lord and say, What should I do here? You know, if she continues to gossip all the time, I don't really want to be talking with her. So God might lead you to say, Hey, listen, I love you so much, you know, but what the Word of God says it's it's important to to lift people up instead of tear them down, and sometimes I think that you struggle with that. Whoa, that's a big risk, isn't it? Especially if it's a relative. (laughs) Because you're stuck with those people. (laughs) Or anybody. And you know what? None of us want to do it. Because we live in individualistic America. Yeah, you want to do stupid things? Go and do stupid things. Don't impact my life. That is not the family of God. If you see someone that you know, that you have a relationship with, and they're doing something stupid, you go up to them. They might use different words. (laughs) And say, hey, I'm aware of this issue in our lives. And we're all frail. They could blame me for a lot of stuff. Yeah, it could go both ways. But God has said this to me because I love you. That's a way to take a step out in faith. And your Christian life won't be as boring. Another issue that comes out of this obvious is marriage courtship. And I uh, talked about this recently. But this is an issue that is so close to my heart. And it is how we raise our children. We think about wedding proposals, right? And in America, the idea is, hey, you know, whatever you want. Get married to whoever you want. But if you're a Christ follower, if you're a child of God, you know it says in Scripture, do not be unequally yoked. Yeah, because you're a person of light. The other person's a person of darkness. Uh, You're a person that's a child of God. This person's still lost in their sin. And, and, And don't say, oh, this is evangelism dating. Everybody has one story they pull up. Evangelism dating is not the way you want to go. Uh, what you want to do here, I'll tell you, parents. This is how you help your child pick a mature Christian uh, to marry. You start off very, very young, because what you want to do is you want that you want to disciple them to the point where they wouldn't marry a non Christian because they have such a tremendous love for God. I mean this I mean getting married is the most important decision on your in your life on this earth. And so we need to speak into things. We again it all depends on ages and things of that nature, but we need to have a lot of time with these boyfriends. And if you think, wow, this is not going to work you need to tell your child. Now, it's going to be a lot easier if you've discipled your child throughout their life. And they're looking for a Christ follower. And, you know, they'll understand you. But if you've never mentioned it, and at 22 they say, I don't get married to this person, I'm sorry, you can't. <laughs> That's not going to go. <laughs> All right? And again, your, your children are going to be like you spiritually. Is that a good thing? The way you're living your Christian life? I mean, is Jesus Christ your only hope as we sang about? You now you are you praying? You know, praying is like breathing spiritually. Pray unceasingly because we always need to be dependent on Him. And again, with Indians and other cultures, they have arranged marriages, and not a bad idea. I think the closest thing you can come to it is e-harmony around here. <laughs> but I tell you, it, it's not the issue, are they going to marry a non-Christian? The issue is, is their spiritual life going to be alive and vital? that they wouldn't think of doing anything else. Now, again, it's different with everybody. Right? I mean, sometimes your kids say, Who is this person? <laughs> uh, and, of course, there are mistakes. There's divorces. And, and God forgives all of that. But why have your child go through that in the first place? And if you've had experiences uh, in your marriage or maybe your divorce, remarried, whatever, tell them. And tell them what you learned through that process. Uh, Don't buy into this thing that we can't give people counsel. They're your children, and you're their disciple-maker. Ruth 3, 7, And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry. Now, why was he merry? There was nothing like bringing in the harvest. I mean, they work all year long. And this is like the highlight of the year. Yeah, again, a great crop. He went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. Again, unusual. I mean, uh, and she would go in, wait for, she knows, boy, where <laughs> and she goes in and she uncovers his feet. And lay down at his feet. At midnight, the man Boaz was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. That would be odd, right? To have a strange woman. <laughs> yeah. He said, "Who are you?" Right. It was really dark. They didn't have any lights on. It's They have candles, fires, whatever. But there was no light. And He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a Redeemer. You notice that Ruth went off script. She wasn't supposed to say anything. (laughs) But she's proposing to him, I am Ruth, your servant. You've known me for a week or more. And she talked in chapter 2 about God spreading His wings. And we are protected underneath His wings. And such a precious uh, promise when we're dealing with pain. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a Redeemer. You are qualified to marry me so... That Naomi might be able to keep her land. The family uh, line would continue to go. And uh, I'm pretty sure she liked them a lot. (laughs) All right. So it's just kind of hanging in the air here. It's dark. And I assume they're whispering to one another at this particular point. And it's just so romantic. Right? I mean, really? Come on. Okay, they're laying on barley. Not the best thing. But the point is... (laughs) It's just so unique and and how God brought Ruth and Boaz together and their growing relationship. And and all of a sudden she shows up at night and lays down. And at midnight, who are you? (laughs) I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant. For you are a Redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. So we assume that Boaz is a middle-aged, wealthy man at this particular time. And, And Ruth didn't have to marry him. That wasn't in the law at all. She had no responsibility. She wasn't a brother, but she chose him, and he's so amazed that I mean, she must probably very beautiful. They sense that you know you could have any other guy. Why? Why are you choosing me? I mean, you could go after any young man, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, he said, "Do not fear." I will do for you all that you ask. He said, yes. Isn't that great? Let's clap. He said, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Got to get into the story here. Okay. Yeah, he said, yes. It's always a good thing. You never want to hear a no story. That's painful. Uh, For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. You see... We go back here and it says, you have made the last kindness. What was the first kindness? When she came back with Naomi and gave up her life in Moab and really committed herself to a widow's life. And now all that has changed. And and now that she's asking him to marry her, that's confounding. I mean, here you have a woman asking a man to marry her. There were arranged marriages back in that time. So it was a little bit unusual. And then you have a Moabite asking an Israelite to marry her. Right? Wow. Turns everything on its head. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I'll be with you. Ruth 12. And now it is true that I am a Redeemer. Yet there is a Redeemer nearer than I. Being a kinsman, Redeemer. Kinsman is um, Latin uh, for brother-in-law. And translated uh, from the Hebrew. And Redeemer, of course, is somebody who buys something back, who frees something. And, of course, this story is all about Jesus and His love for us. I would encourage you to go back and read through the whole book and just keep seeing how God's plan through Jesus was revealed in this story. Now, there is another Redeemer. So, he has to him first because he's closer as a relative. Remain tonight and in the morning if he will redeem you good. Let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, Then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. You got me. I just got to check with this other guy because I'm a man of integrity. And we'll see that next week. Lie down until morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Why is that? Well, it's Sully Ruth's reputation, right? I mean, yeah, why was she at the threshing floor? Well she was at the threshing floor for um you know a different reason. As I read this I was reminded about how we as husbands need to protect our wives. And that's a natural desire that we have. So think about it. How are you protecting your wife? Are you loving her as you love yourself. Do you want her to have goals that, that, that she can achieve and that you're going to support her in that? You go to movies that you would never think you'd go to because you love her? Uh, <laughs> <there>. <laughs> Tony, you heard that, buddy. All right. Um, and you make sure that she has mace or whatever she needs, you know. I mean, it's a it's a cruel world out there. And uh, that's your job. Your job is to be a protector. Even when she might say, oh, I don't need that. Say, Honey, you're taking it. This is the way it's going to be. So she laid his feet before no one could recognize another. And he said, bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. She's got this garment on, she holds it. So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Six measures of barley? This is like going to Costco and getting six shopping carts of food. Right? I mean, they never had so much barley before. Then she went into the city, and when she came to her mother-in-law, he said, how did you fare, my daughter? Oh, she'll just love to talk to a person when they come home from a date. Oh, that is, oh that's great information. Now, guys, I so don't know. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Now, the ladies, there's a minimum hour of discussion about the date. I don't know, I care how it went. If it was worse, then probably two hours of discussion because women need to know the details. This is fun stuff. Uh, or very interesting stuff. <laughs> then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me. For he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. See, this guy is wise. You ain't got to make the mother-in-law happy. Maybe it's even a kind of dowry. I don't know. But they had more grain than they had ever had. In their lives. Isn't that God's blessing? I mean, at the beginning of the book, Naomi was saying, hey, my life is bitter because of what God has allowed in my life. But now it is rich. There's a principle here about Naomi being concerned about Ruth. Because Naomi was still struggling with the loss that she had in her life. And we all know that we have to move emotionally through a loss and own it and, and grieve or whatever the issue might be. But one of the healthiest things to do is what? Do something for somebody else. Right? And we say, no, I've really got to experience this. <laughs> well, it will help you if you'll go out and serve somebody. So if you're just kind of down today for whatever reason, do something. For someone today. Make a call to a friend who you know would enjoy uh, your phone call. You know, get out and talk to your neighbors. Whatever it is. It's a great principle. She replied, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Yeah. Naomi knew what was going on. I mean, that guy was charged up, <laughs> and he was—he kind of, he went way too early in the morning to the Kinsman Redeemer. Probably we'll talk about that next week. But uh, yeah, you'll know today. There's no doubt about it. See <laughs> new uh, men. So this is all a picture, as we said. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? God spared. He didn't spare His Son. He let His Son die as a criminal on a cross, bearing the sins of the world. You see, that's the kind of person God is. We see that type of integrity and love and generosity in Boaz. Now, we, we just never should stop thinking about the cross and what he's done for us. Let's look at uh, the different the people in the story. Naomi represents the loving parent or God. She longs for her child's redemption. Now, Ruth? And, of course, God longs for our redemption. She made a plan of redemption. Of course, God made a plan of redemption. Redemption was only possible because of a relationship to the Redeemer. Only because Naomi had this this relative, Boaz, could it happen. And only because uh, God had a relationship with Jesus that it happened. Uh, Ruth, the lost sinner, she could do nothing to save Herself. just nothing. And again, I, I've been doing evangelism and uh, we call it uh, go-to where you seek out your neighbors and you want to tell them about the love of Jesus and build a friendship uh, with them. And I'll tell you, 90% of the time the people I've talked to in the Midwest here it's all about works. Oh, I have to be a good person because that's Really, the the thought in our culture that God, God wants you to be a good person, so you have to do that. And that's wrong, of course, because you're not good. You're bad, right? We're all bad because we have a sinful nature. And so she responded to Boaz's grace. Grace didn't, excuse me, Boaz didn't have to do anything about this, but he offered it. She repented of her past. Uh, In verse 3 there was a mention of her changing clothes and she brought a special garment and she wore it a special occasion. So she was turning into a leaf. She was repenting. She was doing uh, 180. She requested that he redeem her. Just like we have to ask for Jesus Christ's salvation. She received both the promise of redemption and a pledge for future redemption. When we come to Jesus and we ask for his salvation, he gives us the promise of redemption and a pledge for a future with him in eternity. Hmm. It's I mean when you start to see the whole story through that filter, it's so powerful and it helps you appreciate what Christ did for us. In a new way. I don't know, maybe there are some of you here today and uh, you're new to Springbrook or you've been hooked on this works thing. I gotta keep working. And I accept the Christ, but I gotta keep working. I don't know if I'm going to heaven. Please. (laughs) Good news! You don't have to do work to earn your relationship with God. You just accept His free gift, the Holy Spirit comes into you. And the good works just start naturally flowing. So I would encourage you to turn to Christ today and say, God, I don't have any good works to give you. My righteousness is like filthy rags, but I want you to come into my life. And I want you to change me. God does wonderful things to change people. And that's what we really want to talk about as we move into the summer here on the Lord Jesus, excuse me, He is worthy Redeemer, Kinsman Redeemer. He was willing to redeem her, and He was waiting to redeem her. God is waiting on you. If you have you have not become a Christ follower? Please talk to one of the pastors or other people, and we can encourage you in that way. I want to encourage you guys. And this whole area of taking risks is to take a risk in building a current relationship or a new relationship with a person who doesn't know God. We call that your gospel friend. And so you just hang with them. You love them. and uh, As Christ gives you opportunity, you talk about how God has changed your life. You glorify God. Like yesterday I was out and we have a Boston Terrier puppy <laughs> we were putting in the wireless fence uh and it was not working for some reason i mean i it took me a lot of time and frustration, but he would he would escape and he'd always go to this one guy's house a couple of, a couple of streets down no a couple of houses down and uh this guy would bring him back and say, "Your dog almost got killed." <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you. We're working on that. And it just kept happening because we thought we had it. And then off he would go. So I went to this guy's house yesterday. And I had Rizzo with me. I said, I just want to thank you for protecting Rizzo. How patient you were. So just starting to begin a relationship uh, with someone else. Well... Let's have our ushers come forward at this time and let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an amazing story of how you've redeemed us through Jesus Christ. What a privilege it is to share that with other people. And I pray that all my friends here would take a step, a a step of faith. To so just get to know somebody and show them Christ's love. In Christ's name. Amen.